Welcome to Wallace Books and the Jello Wars podcast. I'm your host, Bob Wallace. Whoever thought that children with cancer would be the ones to lift us from our existential funk? Their wisdom, simple and personal, yet profound and universal, helps us circumnavigate these perplexing times. And fortunately, you don't have to walk in their hospital slippers to benefit. Wallace Books presents Jello Wars and Other Battles with Childhood Cancer. It's a book, it's a podcast, and it's life changing. Because the kids have much to teach, and we, the healthy, have much to learn. Thanks for showing up. If you've hiked any trail in the Sedona area, you've no doubt seen stacks of red rocks. Plenty of them. Some call them cairns, some call them ducks, directionals, or trail markers. At Sedona Red Rock Rock Stacking, we call them unlimited profit opportunity. Rock stacking is a time-honored art form. Ancient people stack rocks to appease the gods, others for good luck, for safe journeys, and safe returns. Today, people stack rocks for no reason at all, except the pure joy of stacking rocks. What is rock stacking? You take a rock and place it on top of another rock, then add a third, possibly a fourth or fifth. And thanks to Sedona Red Rock Rock Stacking, rock stacking has never been easier. For just 15 bucks, we'll place a red rock along a trail in Sedona. For another 10, we'll add another red rock on top of it. $12 for a third, and the fourth one's free. If you want, we can stack them six feet high and bill you in three monthly payments. You'll sleep well at night knowing that somewhere along the over 200 miles of Sedona trails, there's a stack of rocks that might be the one we did for you. Sedona Red Rock Rock Stacking makes a great gift idea. Birthday? anniversary, bar mitzvah, or no reason at all. You can get one for yourself and fulfill that lifelong desire to have your own stack of rocks. There's no need to put in all the effort of hiking and finding the perfect rocks to stack. Red Rock Rock Stacking will do it for you. You don't even have to come to Sedona or leave the comforts of your own easy chair. Just give us your credit card number and we'll stack your rocks. Operators are standing by. So give us a call right now. Sedona Red Rock Rock Stacking. Stacking rocks since 2023. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Jello Wars. People have been asking me about the book. The book that runs adjacent to this podcast. Jello Wars and Other Battles with Childhood Cancer is a book that's not yet published. But soon. It's a book about children written for adults, and a book about cancer written for the healthy. 
Kids who have been through the cancer experience often become the most amazing adults you'll ever meet, and they have a lot to teach us all. You can stay up on things at wallacebooks.com. As for me, if anyone had told me the highest accomplishment of my adult life would involve making kids laugh milk through their noses, I would have said, yeah, sounds about right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get back to Jello Wars. Hide and Seek 101 Hide and Seek requires a minimum of two players, each executing one of two commissions. The job of one or more individuals is to hide. The other person is tasked with finding them. It's pretty straightforward. Of course, you have to give the players a chance to hide. You do this by counting one Mississippi, two Mississippi, on up to a designated number. Say, 50 Mississippi. A game can last anywhere from a few seconds to hours and hours, depending on the skill level of the hiders. Typically, the game ends when it starts to get dark. At least that was my parents' mandate. But one particular game of hide-and-seek did not end when it got dark. In fact, the game has gone on for over 50 years. Sometimes there's lots of excitement, and much of the time it gets so slow you could assume the game is over. But it's not. Because when it comes to hiding, Bigfoot is a world-class competitor. And when it comes to seeking, Joe is a dauntless pursuant. Joe came to our camp bursting with a delightful mix of high intensity, high pitch, and high intelligence. Much of Joe's knowledge, we came to find, revolved around Bigfoot and dinosaurs, and sometimes the intersection thereof. The Search for Bigfoot, Level 1 being a professional, Joe knew the likelihood of locating an actual Bigfoot was much greater in the wilderness of northern Arizona than it was in his suburban home. So he came to Arizona Camp Sunrise with a plan. Joe requested a bunk next to our cabin's window, looking out onto the front porch, where he had us bait the picnic table. Jack Link's beef jerky, of course. He hoped the bait would lure the beast onto the porch, where he could catch a glimpse through the window. It was a moment he anticipated with both exhilaration and terror. Joe didn't see Bigfoot that first night. But, come morning, the jerky was gone. Evidence enough to steal his resolve. The Search for Bigfoot, Level 2 in one of an unending supply of camp coincidences, we'd purchased an adult XL Bigfoot costume just prior to the start of camp. It was still in its packaging, waiting for us in the supply tent. Naturally, we thought it a good idea to have a costume counselor stalk the woods just beyond the comforting light of the evening's campfire. During the campfire, Joe surprised us all by jumping up in front of the entire camp but not to do a standard sing-along or repeat-after-me song. Oh, no. Joe delved into a rapid-fire list of Bigfoot factoids. The average Bigfoot is 7 to 10 feet tall and has footprints 17 inches long. Bigfoot is shy and generally stays away from populated areas. 
Bigfoot is on the endangered species list in Russia and France, and some other country I can't think of right now. Some Bigfoots are vegetarian, while others are carnivores. That means they eat meat. Many a counselor acquired information previously missing from their camp education. And Joe, generous with his knowledge and fearless with his presentation, was a hit. We clap, cheer, and show support for any child to go up in front of the campfire. But Joe brought down the house. He was a veritable superstar of Bigfoot proportions. And I suppose it was no surprise that he was the first to spot the shadowy creature doing a walk-by in the woods just beyond the campfire's glow. We looked where Joe pointed and caught a glimpse. To pursue a seven to ten foot tall, shy, semi-protected, and possibly carnivorous beast in the dark would require a certain degree of stupid. So we remained in the safety of the campfire. But from that moment on, the camp had Bigfoot fever. And Joe was our commander-in-chief. Later that night, after Joe and the other campers were safely tucked in their sleeping bags, Stumpy and I sat on the porch of the lodge, marveling in our newfound knowledge of Bigfoot fun facts. That's when Operation BF escalated to the next level. The Search for Bigfoot, Level 3 I used my phone to videotape myself interviewing Stumpy. Our pointless exchange was interrupted after just 11 seconds when we heard a noise from the darkness. Wait, what was that? What? It came again. That! We crouched at the railing of the porch and peered into the dimly lit field. Sure enough, a large, furry, bipedal figure sauntered through a thin slice of moonlight. Seriously? Did we just see what we thought we'd seen? Being males, and possessing a certain degree of stupid, we took pursuit. We bolted down the stairs and across the field with a reckless abandon, a maelstrom of fear, adrenaline, and darkness feeding our vigor. Our flashlights draft this way and that, not knowing where or what we were chasing. Suddenly, something crossed our path. Something big. Something ominous. Something Joe had warned us about. I tripped and fell to the ground, dropping my phone. Okay, possibly I just instinctively assumed the fetal position. It's unclear. It was the end of the line, but hopefully we'd captured some decent footage. Later, we retrieved the video and found it poorly lit, shaky and grainy reminiscent of the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot footage from 1967, crossed with the Blair Witch Project from 1999. But we had definitely captured the image of Bigfoot. But would it pass the rigors of intense scientific examination? Moreover, would it live up to the scrutiny of Joe? If this thing went public, it would surely cause a camp-wide panic and sleepless nights for many. We understood the implications, and Pinky swore to keep it a secret. The next morning we gave my phone to Keegan, our camp IT guy. We told him that for everyone's sanity we had to keep it quiet. He complied, and we did just that. All the way to dinner. 
The Search for Bigfoot, Level 4 As people finished their meals, I approached the microphone and announced, Last night, there was an incident. Outside, in the dark. I spoke in a slow, sober tone, so as not to alarm the campers. We'd chosen not to show this to anyone outside of the directors, I told the camp, because we didn't want to scare anyone. A rare silence enveloped the dining hall. But we got word that the TV stations in both Payson and Christopher Creek are airing the story, so we felt obligated to show it to you first. The screen lit up with the interview of Stumpy, which was interrupted by our not-so-clear pursuit of a furry, sauntering biped, and ended with my phone hitting the ground. There was more video footage, I told the camp, but... I admit, I was scared, and I dropped my phone. Uneasy murmurs circulated the room, so I offered some solace. Don't be alarmed, I told them. Keegan's working on fixing my phone. I added that there were seconds available on the banana Nilla wafer pudding, hoping that would calm the masses. Next thing I knew, Joe had commandeered the microphone and was explaining that what we had seen was clearly a legitimate Bigfoot sighting of scientific import. He backed up his statement with another barrage of Bigfoot-related fun facts. I thanked Joe for his professionalism, and returned to my seat and my banana Nilla wafer pudding. But my pudding revelry was repeatedly interrupted, as fellow counselors came up saying, Bob, our kids are scared to death! You need to go back up there and tell them it isn't really true. Keegan's working on restoring the rest of the video, I assured them. Before I was halfway through my pudding, Keegan hollered, Bob, I fixed your phone and I have the rest of the video. I'll play it from the top. Again we watched the interrupted interview and the grainy pursuit of the monkey-armed misfit. But right after the part where I dropped my phone, A warm orchestration drowned out Stumpy's whimpering, and a fully produced video followed. Text scrolled across the screen, reading, Our Night with Bigfoot, while Louis Armstrong crooned, What a Wonderful World. There he was, Bigfoot, reclining on the porch, his size 64 feet crossed on an end table. The music played on as we witnessed Bigfoot drinking straight out of the milk machine, attempting to read a book, baking cookies, and singing karaoke. The video climaxed with Bigfoot on a hoverboard, gliding across the lodge, then into tight concentric circles perfectly choreographed with the music. The film ended with the caption, Thanks, BF. See you again soon. While the entire lodge hooted, hollered, and applauded, Joe again approached the microphone. I'm pretty sure this was just one of the counselors in a Bigfoot costume, he announced, pointing to the screen. Game over. Joe had debunked our evidence. However, he continued, the earlier footage, that was a legitimate and scientifically important Bigfoot sighting. Way to hold firm to your beliefs, Joe. Bigfoot may be the reigning king of the World Hide-and-Seek Championships, but Joe is just one step behind him, helping make camp a magical place. Like Louie said, 
What a wonderful world! Twelve things the kids taught me. One, knowledge and understanding are not the same thing. Two, a superhero bandaid heals a wound three times faster than a plain old bandaid. Three, hair grows back. Four. You are not your disease. Five. Play hard. Six. Sometimes people worry about tomorrow and forget to live today. Seven. When playing Pictionary, if you don't know what the thing is, you can still draw stuff. Eight. Bo layered with Axe spray does not equal a fresh, exuberant fragrance. It makes for an aroma of bo and Axe spray. Nine. Never ever eat your favorite foods before receiving chemotherapy. Ten. If you think winning isn't everything. You've never had cancer. Eleven. Never pick up a spray can of whipped cream unless you're willing to be covered in it. Twelve. Live life every every day. Thanks for tuning in to Wallace Books and the Jello Wars podcast. The kids of Arizona Camp Sunrise have been my greatest mentors, and they're here to assist you too. You can find additional episodes of the podcast and more about the book Jello Wars and other battles with childhood cancer at wallacebooks.com. That's W-A-L-L-A-S-S books.com. Just go to the website. Or search Wallace Books wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to subscribe and like. You can learn more about Arizona Camp Sunrise at azcampsunrise.org. Podcast theme music by M Dub Music. Sound effects from Sonic Boom. Keep listening to Wallace Books Jello Wars podcast, and let the kids change your life for the better. See you down the road.